This podcast episode is presented by Ski and Bike Nordic, skibike.se. Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levi. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Greetings to all Visma Ski Classics fans once again and welcome to join our Livigno to Levy podcast. And this Sunday is certainly the highlight of the season as Vasalope takes place once again. But the race will be quite different from the previous ones as it's only going to be arranged for our pro team athletes and some selected elite skiers. But nevertheless, it'll be a thrilling event as always and we all are getting ready for an action-packed Sunday. I'm your host, Demo Virtanen, and my co-host today is a familiar voice on our podcasts, Erik Wikström, a professional ski coach and an experienced long-distance skier and a Vasalopet expert. And our special guest is a skier who actually needs no introduction, but just to refresh your memory, this great lady has a record number of medals in Winter Olympics history, 15 in total. She has 18 World Championship gold medals and 114 World Cup victories, including state ones, and she's a four-time over World Cup winner. She retired from active racing in 2018, but now she's back in action as Vasa Lopez will be her first Visma Ski Classics event. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you a true legend of cross-country skiing, Marit Björgen from Norway. Welcome, Marit. It's good to have you on the show. How are you doing <laughs> over there in Norway? Oh, I'm uh, doing fine. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice weather in Norway now. So, yeah, I have... Um, have it, yeah, good. So, Marit, when you kind of go back, I mean, you retired in 2018, and uh, mm. after that, how did it really feel? I'm like, okay, this is it. I mean, and you are the, the greatest cross country skier in history, and then just leave that behind. I mean, it, it must have been kind of a weird feeling for a while. Yeah, I I feel that there was um, yeah for me it was the end of the career. I uh, I don't have the actually the motivation to to do the work you need to do to be on a high level. And I also had a family at home that I also wanted to spend more time with, and I also <laughs> wanted some more children also. So and I was 38 years old and. This has been, I have been on the road for 20 years, so I feel that I was, uh, yeah, for me it was the right time to, to stop uh, the most of it because I didn't have the motivation to uh, do all the, the work I have to do. So, What yeah. was the, the best feeling with the quit skiing? Uh, the best is that you, you don't need to train, you don't have to every day uh, yeah, wake up and you have to do to uh, to uh, training uh, lesson and yeah the hard work you can uh, yeah relax and enjoy other things in the life actually yeah and some spend some more time with uh, my family and uh, yeah but there must have been a little bit itching left because you decided to come back yeah i am um, the two years i uh, after i stopped in after Pyeongchang, i i don't have the motivation to train 
it, uh, I, I thought I should train more, but um, it was hard to go out and do, do some training. I, the motivation was away. And, uh, but when um, Jürgen Aukland uh, calling me in April and asked uh, if I was uh, motivation to do Vasaloppe, and I was thinking, uh, I'm not sure about that. But then he said, oh, you can train uh, 10 to 15 uh, hours in the week. Uh, and, uh, he, and he said that if you do that, it's possible, possible to, to be fighting in, in the, for the victory in Vasloppe. And I said, ah... Maybe, uh, and I thought, okay, um, maybe I need something to, to train for, for coming out and to do some yeah, training work. And uh, I said, why not? I will try. So, uh, yeah. But you have a, a kind of a low profile in, in media and we, in the Vismaski Classics, we all speculate about how good of a shape is, uh, are you in. And we want to know, like, how much did you train from, I think your last race where you were second in Norwegian Nationals that spring and then yeah. uh, Jürgen called you this spring. Between those two dates, like, how many hours per week on average did you train and what kind of training did you do? Uh, it was, uh, I was also pregnant in this period, but uh, I think uh, four to six hours in the week. Um, and also that training was uh, yeah, in high speed then, some intervals. So maybe I had uh, three intervals in the week and uh, one maybe a little bit uh, slower training. So that was uh, what I did in that two years. So. And when you were not pregnant and you were training that uh, on that level, what what kind of results do you think you would have been possible? Like when it did, did you measure yourself like in a roller ski test or a running test or anything like that that you could compare? Like how how much did you lose from training very very much to to just five hours per week? I uh, I did uh, because I didn't train roller skis. Uh, when I started uh, roller skis in May uh, last year, I haven't used the roller skis since uh, in um, in September in uh, 2017. So uh, it was uh, very ha- hard to. Uh, yeah, I was uh, in uh, a camp, training camp with uh, Team Ragde, and I have to quick uh, after 1:30 because I my hands was not good. So. So I I did really lose lots of training in the two years I was um, out of yeah training and was pregnant. So, but um, when I started training more yeah like uh, ten to fifteen hours in May and in June and after I feel that uh, the shape was uh, yeah better and better and so. Um, I feel that I think it's that it's not have gone more than two years. Uh, it was easier to come on, uh, yeah, a little bit high level then. So, but uh, I haven't uh, test me, but um, for me, I've been training just double pulling and some running uh, in this month uh, since I started in May. 
but uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I've been better and better for uh, every month. So, uh, but I'm not sure if um, I had. Uh, I. Uh, not sure how how uh, my shape is uh, is strong enough to uh, be fighting uh, with the girls in Vasalopa. So uh, I'm so exciting to to see. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the you know the double polling aspect of it because. Long distance skiing requires an extensive amount of double polling, and that's the dominant technique. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, you did it in the past uh, for standard distances as well. But kind of that transition, you know, and and when you decided to hop 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 on and and take this challenge, so the double polling aspect of it. I mean, you must have spent a lot of time, and then were you a little bit of a uh, uh, nervous about it, maybe, or anxious about the, how much double polling you need to do? Yeah, uh, for me it was uh, I have to take it slow in the beginning, so I don't uh, uh, get some injury or some problems. Uh, so I, I take it very slow. And uh, but uh, I started in uh, in May to for the roller skis, but also when we was uh, yeah in in the beginning of July I was uh, yeah could go. Uh, 100 kilometer on uh, roller skis, just uh, double pulling. So I was taking it very fast, actually. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, I think it's fun to do something uh, different uh, from what I was doing when I was in the World Cup uh, circus. So for me, has that been a motivation? Um, so when I'm out uh, skiing or in the roller skis, just have been uh, double pulling. So. Uh, and I think uh, that ha- I have to do it also if I have a should have a chance to be fighting with the, the other girls in Vaslope. So, so have you listened to Jurgen with those ten to fifteen hours per week, or has it been more or less? No, it has been between uh, twenty to fifteen uh, because uh, yeah, to I have two, ten to fifteen. You mean? Yeah, ten to fifteen. Yeah, hours in the week uh, for me. Has because I have uh, two uh, small small uh, boys also uh, to take care of and uh, to have the right balance, not uh, to also to rest and to have enough um, uh, sleeping in in the night also. So uh, uh, to find the right balance for me and uh, for me to come back, I will try to do it. Uh, yeah, different. Uh, I'd say, okay, I gave me ten to fifteen hours in a week, and I will see how how fast can I go with that. Actually, so that's also a motivation for me. So when uh, Jürgen called you uh, way back then, how much do you know about uh, Visma Ski Classics and long distance skiing, and how much has your perspective of you changed now since you've been part of the, the team, Team Ragdayendom? Of course, I have been following uh, the ski classic in the, in the winter. Uh, I've seen on and I know everything about. Yeah, we have seen Vaslop uh, Marshlonga, uh, the biggest one of it. And um, uh, we, I didn't have the chance when I was uh, in the World Cup circus, but. Uh, uh, so that's given me one of the motivation also to do this because uh, Vaslop is the, the biggest you can do. It's just like an Olympic or world champion for uh, longer skiing. So, uh, yeah, 
that has been motivation for me. Yeah. Would would you would you say that this is the the only merit that that you're missing to win Vasa Lopet? So that must yeah, have been a bit I of us. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's also fun to do it. Uh, I haven't that chance when I was uh, in the World Cup, and also right after I stopped, I didn't have the motivation for for do the training. Now that I uh, can a little more back again, so uh, <clears throat> I think uh, yeah, it's cool to have it uh, to do that. Uh, yeah, that I have raised it also before I I'm too old <laughs> actually. So uh, yes, it's yeah, I uh, needed some new motivation. So, but I don't know how uh, fast I can be, and uh, maybe uh, I don't have the chance. So. Yeah, we'll see, and uh, how it will motivate me after also. What have the uh, the brothers Jürgen and 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 Anders told you about Vasa Lopet and any kind of yeah, tips, advice? Yeah, they are the biggest you can do actually. Uh, Jürgen is uh, yeah, uh, he have all yeah, he have been winning the Vasa two times, uh, I think, and North yeah, and Anders also. So they have. Uh, uh, lots of experience and uh, to share with me and uh, yeah it's interesting and, ho- and uh, see what uh, they are doing on the training also I've been some days on uh, every training camp they have in this summer and in uh, also before the season starts so it has been uh, nice to be uh, uh, be on it and see uh, what they are doing to to be on a high level in the, in the longer distance. So. Any eye-opening moments maybe that you got from them? Uh, oh, this is something I haven't thought about you know, in terms of long-distance skiing. Uh, yeah, I understand. You have to have the uh, like uh, the longer training session, like uh, four, five, six hours uh, double pulling. Uh, I I have heard about it before, but uh, it's maybe a little, little bit different what I have done before. And um, so uh, when in this summer we had, uh, yeah it was uh, on the roller skis 120 kilometers. It was <laughs> between six and seven hours, so it was uh, that was different for sure, and it was hard also and mental hard for me too. So, but um, it uh, that it was a record for me to uh, do song long uh, uh, training lesson. So um, yeah, it uh, also gave me something. Yeah, it's a good feeling after. So, yeah, we have uh, not seen you racing so much or like these uh, training races. We have seen you in uh, Trivan Op, yeah. where uh, I think you scared some opponents there, where uh, Therese Johag won in uh, 42 minutes and 54 seconds, and you were only two minutes after in uh, that long of an uphill race, and you were ahead of your teammate, uh, Anniken Gerd Alnes. So, yeah. how was... How was that race? Yeah, it was uh, okay race for me. Uh, so I also, yeah, I trained something uh, sometimes with Teresa. We have some uh, double pulling intervals together. 
uh, and I also see that I have been better and better when I was uh, together with her in uh, yeah in June. Uh, I was uh, far away behind her, but uh, in August again, I can see that I have uh, get uh, the gap again. So uh, that will also be a motivation for me. So. And that to train with Therese and also Ingvill and some other girls in Oslo also. So it's some to be back again in uh, and be training with them has also been yeah, great for me. So you have a lot, lot of comf- confidence boosters there. But Basel, it's a long race. It's a 90-kilometer race. Uh, what do you think could be the hardest obstacles for you in terms of the course and the, uh, uh, the whole race? I think um, what's happening from uh, yeah from six to nine in the end of the last uh, three thirty kilometers. I think that's yeah. How, uh, my arms are after six sixty uh, kilometers. That's what I am um, uh, afraid about, actually. You so, already skied 120. Yeah, just... but uh, that was a little bit slower training. Now you you have a competition, and uh, I also don't know how uh, fast they are uh, are going. And uh, will my arms? Uh, I have uh, something after 60 kilometers. So. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna test you a little bit now, Marit, in uh, how much you know about Vismaski Classics and Vasaloppet with a few questions. So, um, yeah, <laughs> are you ready? Yeah, I will try. It's a what? quiz. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's quiz. A quiz. <laughs> yeah. What year and what was the first race in Vismaski Classics? Uh, Vasaloppet. Ah. No, like when did Vismaski Classics started? This tour. What mm. year? 2012, 13? 11. 11. It was close with ah, Yeah. And how many events has it been on the tour at the, the most uh, or and the least per season? How many races? Yeah. Uh, I think it has been um, eight, nine. Maybe? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been six in the start, and I think 13 has been the most. So it was okay. yeah. in the middle. Yeah. And uh, your team, Team Ragde, what has been on the name of that team throughout the, the start, throughout the history? I mean, they started out already in, uh, I think, 2007 or so. Uh, team uh, Dean Bank, has it been? Hasn't it? <laughs> that's no. another team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that's yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, 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 team Extra Personal. Yes, that was yeah. the first one. And uh, they had also another name on uh, before. It was, a, it was a bank. It was a bank name. Yeah, and uh, Santander. Santander is not. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and we also Team Centric. Yeah. And I think it was like Team Auckland for one week or so. But uh, anyway. Um, You, who was the first woman to win Vasaloppet without kickwax and when? Oh, I think it was uh, Britta. Mm, nope. Nope. It was someone from your country. Ah. Laila Kveli. Laila Kveli in uh, 2014. 14, yes. And, okay. Uh, 
who has the most victories in Vasselop among the women? Uh, for Britta, I think. No. no? Sof Sofia Lind. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and who has the record time in Vasselop? Ah, Vibeke Skoftru. Yes, and what time? In 2011. Uh, no, 12. 12, yes. Yeah. And uh, what was her time? Uh, four hour and 12 minutes. Eight minutes. That Eight was close. minutes, uh, yeah. And the last question. Uh, which team besides Team Ragde Eindom has won Vismaski Classics? There is like Team Ragde or the other names of that team has won like almost every year, but two years it's been another team. Okay. Um, They've also, also gone through a name shift. <laughs> yeah. Um, team Kuteng? Yeah. Good. Good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, good job, Marit. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> good, in, in, indeed. Uh, let's uh, talk about Vassal a little bit more before we move on. Uh, and and the Canada, of course, because it, it is a, it's the number one race. It is the king of the races, as they say. It's huge in Sweden. Eric, you know uh, more about that and you know the reason behind it. It's like an institution in your country. Um, but to win something like that or to be on a top there... Uh, and you mentioned that it's, it's a new motivation for you uh, to mm. be able to do something like that. But what does it really mean for an athlete like you who has really, let's assume that you are in a top in a top three, for example, to be up there because you've, you pretty much have everything that a skier can have. Yes, but the, the Vaslop is it's a huge race. Um, no, it's this year it's different uh, what we can see on the television before um but i think um, yeah nine miles skiing competition is it's special and it's uh, yeah i think i to do it it's a good feeling after and have really done it and have really tried it um yeah i think i think that's uh, yeah for I mean, you, you, you have done Vasalopet in 2006, <laughs> kind of Vasalopet. Yeah, it's t t 45 <laughs> kilometers. Yeah, tell yeah. us about that experience and why, why was the World Cup there? Uh, it was, for me, it was a good feeling. Uh, it was, we did with Vox. Uh, yeah, I, I won that race and yeah, I, it's hard to remember exactly uh, the, how the course was, but um, yeah. I, had a good, I could remember a good feeling and I was in good shape. So, uh, But I also done the Chevasan in 2001. Um, I remember it was very cold. It was 20 minutes and uh, it it was hard to really uh, using the legs in, in, in the finish line because they was so cold. That's what I remember. <laughs> Actually, yeah, and in that race you were uh, fourth. And yeah, it was Anita Muen won that race, and uh, yeah. But in in two thousand and six, I think I mean in two thousand and one, you were only twenty one years old or twenty years old. Mm. Uh, when I talk to people, they say they they don't have a clue really about your shape, but they yeah. still think you are a contender to win Baselopet. And and one reason is, I mean, you are a strong double polar, and you also, I mean, in that forty five k race, you won by one minute and twenty two seconds. Yeah. Uh, you you could potentially have that capacity to be 
like fast on double polling in flat sections but mm. have you like done similar races because i mean you you're not the one that do marathon long distance races in the end of the season so do you have a clue what kind of other type of races like shavas and vaslop at 45k have you done uh Bennett. Uh, that's me, the longest distance uh, race I have done, actually. But, yeah. but you have never done like a flatter, more because that's a pretty hilly one. Yeah, no, I haven't. Not. And flatter. I assume you haven't haven't really done a race without uh, kickwax. No, Although, I haven't. So this will be your first one. The, this is my first one. Yeah, but uh, this winter we have uh, uh, every week uh, when uh, I had uh, like. Uh, like a competition with the Jürgen Auckland uh, where it's uh, a flat part in in Oslo so we have done like a Vasalop uh, uh, training lesson uh, and that has been um, good for me I think for for be prepared for the Vasalop so what kind of a, a, a tactics or strategy are you expecting to see? I mean, you probably be, uh, paid a lot of attention to your opponents, you know, Lina Kuskren and Preta Johansson Ogren, and kind of uh, uh, check them out. But what are you expecting? This race will be, as you said, a little bit different. You're uh, starting a, a before men. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, uh, everyone is waiting for uh, guys, I think. Um, so they will be maybe attacked us at six or... 60 or 17 uh, kilometers um, yeah uh, and I think uh, yeah uh, maybe the speed is not uh, will not be so high before that I think um, yeah I'm, I'm not sure I uh, <laughs> haven't uh, been racing with them so uh, but um, for me it, uh, I think uh, to be in the group and see what's happening when the men's are coming so realistically speaking, what are you expecting? I mean, it's, it sounds to me that you're really excited about this. I mean, you're happy to be out there racing again, training. You found your uh, sort of the mojo, the motivation again. Uh, but of course, every time you put a babe on, you have goals. Uh, so what is your actual goal? The one that you would be satisfied with? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's hard to uh, think, but uh, I think... I am possible to fight with them, I think, but uh, I also don't know how strong the the woman is. But but so, to be more uh, precise, so your goal is to, to win. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't will uh, will see uh, say that uh, because uh, this is new for me, uh, and I I don't know how my shape is uh, prepared for the other girls, so. Uh, uh, I could I haven't been racing with them uh, earlier this winter. It's easier to to say what my goals are, but I hope um, for to doing a good race and uh, hope we'll be fighting in in the front there and uh, and then we will see uh, how we, I am when it's twenty kilometers again. How I will be standing then. Yeah, let's uh, twist the question a little bit. What 
could be the best takeaway for you? Uh, you're right. I mean, you haven't raced against anybody uh, so far, mm. which is it's tough to predict something like that. Uh, but what would you like to take home with so that maybe next year you can come back? What is kind of the, the feeling you need to get from this race in order to continue? For me, is it interesting to see um, how, how uh, um, my uh, shape is? to uh, yeah to do to do the training like 10 15 hours in a week uh, how good can i be with that actually and if i see that uh, i need some more uh, training to be be fighting uh, for a podium and then we will see how i have the motivation next year to do it uh, for me it's also interesting to see that what i can do with the the training i have done actually and also, I think it would be kind of interesting to, for you to see the whole season. Now, there's been a special year. And as you said, yeah. you haven't had a chance to race against anyone. Uh, assuming you'll do well and you get a good feeling, good experience, then next year, let's hope, and uh, fingers crossed, uh, that'll be a normal year. Yeah, then you, then for, you get to do sure. a full season, perhaps. Yeah, uh, we will see how um, the motivation for me is after this uh, Vasloppe and um, to, uh, to be... Uh, yeah, to do some more uh, longer races. So um, it's hard to say now, but uh, we'll see after. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think is the best result to get you motivated? Is that to be like second or win or be number 13th? Or like what would be, would you be think that, oh, this was fun. I want to do it much better. Or is it, yeah, I was good at it. Let's surf. I think uh, how it's to be competitive competing again i don't think um, if i win maybe not the motivation is to do it next year i don't know actually i i think it's more that how the feeling is to be a part of it to be racing again and it will it give me something or, or not so that's the question i think will be in this spring but when you're in this training and you're you have your yeah, you're trained more seriously. Is there, is what what are you like missing? What's the best part with being an elite skier? What do you really, what have you appreciated the most this year since May? With that? Yeah, it's uh, that I have got more the motivation back again, uh, but also I have some days where I. Yeah, I uh, planned, okay, today I have to train four hours because I have to do that because do preparation to Vasloppe. And uh, some days that days are that tough. Uh, maybe I, uh, it's better to train hard one hour and uh, don't then be finished. So, uh, um, yeah, it you need... Uh, to be fighting in a high level also in Vaslope you need some uh, training lesson who is uh, yeah four or five hours and uh, yeah and you have to have the motivation to do that and uh, not stop after 45 minutes actually how do you think you're going to feel on the starting line what kind of uh, yeah what, what will be in your mind there uh, i think uh, i will be very nervous and uh, and also sti uh, still a question to myself why i'm doing this <laughs> i think <laughs> so but uh, 
I'm I'm looking forward and I am excited, and I wonder how how um, how fast can I be actually, and can I uh, be with the girls in the front? I am wonder, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. This podcast episode is presented by Ski and Bike Nordic. Skibike.se Ski and Bike Nordic, Skibike.se, is a certified SkiGo Pro Center that provides ski waxes and other products for very good ski preparation. And they also have waxing services for both elite skiers and recreational skiers. And during this week, they are in Lindvallen in Sälen and they are providing waxing services and you can also pick up products there. Ski and Bike Nordic's overall ambition is to support skiers to perform at the very best at the given condition. And the web shop, skibike.se, they provide a searchable ski wax database. And in addition, they can also give advice based on this extensive database on professional ski wax test results from leading suppliers and ski teams. If you order something in the web shop, they will deliver the same day, at least in, in Sweden, from its logistics center in Halstavik. And if you want more information about that and how you to buy products, you go to skibike.se and you can also follow Skibike Nordic in social media. I think that's a that's a good segue for us to start talking about the a little bit of the past and and your training methods back then. We talked about the Vasalop and how you have prepared for that one, but I think that's also interesting for people to know. How did you fine tune yourself into the shape that you uh, you were back then in your heyday? So, Eric, you probably have some spe- specific questions about the being a coach yourself. <laughs> no, but if we look at your career. You were very successful for a few years, and then you had those years where you weren't that successful in 2000. Well, you were successful, of course, but not as much those 2006 till 2009, and then you were the best skier again. So if we look at those, what did you do before? You had successful years before and after those middle years, so to say. What in your training did made you so good in the first part? Uh, I was training, um, yeah, very uh, lots of intervals training in period where I had uh, fourteen days with I train maybe eighteen intervals. So I think that in the beginning it was uh, good for me, like uh, from two thousand and four to two thousand and five. And um, but I was still training lots of intervals in 2006, seven, and eight, and nine. And I think that was not good for my body. But that and, you said your scheme with like 18 so hard session in 14 days. Did you do that like if you if like every month, all no, many years uh, in a row, or uh, maybe I start in uh, July and had one July, August, September. Uh, so uh, I had, uh, yeah, like uh, that year I had maybe, um, uh, nine, 10% of my training was intervals. 
And uh, when I changed it after 2009, I had uh, five to six percent of intervals. So I, it was a big change. And also now I, I changed it in 2009. I also lots of slower training also. So I was uh, training more in hours also after 2009. So. But so your own conclusion it sounds like it was very good to to raise you to a to an awesome level but then it was just too much intensity yeah i'd uh, had to i should have changed the training maybe like uh, after 2005 before the olympic in 2006 then but i i'd use it three years to understand it myself so yeah <laughs> it's so- yeah so those intervals, uh, there were. I guess you know these two guys, Helgerud and Hoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they ca- came up with this study that four by four minutes with uh, like three minutes rest or something is a very mm. good in- set of intervals because mm. it takes like two minutes to get to VU2 max and then you can sustain VU2 max for two minutes. So that's like the perfect intervals or for VU2 max and mm. it like. Was that the session you did a lot? Yeah, it was uh, something like that. Uh, five, four minutes intervals, maybe. Actually, it's like uh, between 20 and 25 minutes intervals when you put them together. Because yeah. so, <clears throat> uh, there is so much talk about these Norwegian intervals that uh, made you very fast in the beginning of your career and then you you drop them but what would you say to to other skiers with i mean even though you got it got too much for you you had some successful years so so what would you advise other skier for that to, to do those that kind of training yeah I, for me i don't I haven't been without uh, the year with uh, lots of intervals because uh, that get my VO2 max higher. Um, but I should change some years before I did it because uh, of my... Uh, yeah, um, I think my body needed that. Um, but I think if I speak with younger, it's uh, I think... Uh, it's not uh, one uh, uh, what we call it it's you can change it's not um, uh, the answer that I done after 2009 you can do that but also you can do what I did in 2005 and 2004 also it's um, I think you can do both things but Maybe you have to listen to your body and uh, yeah, some years with the hard training and then change to more slow training and yeah. What would you say? What would you say is the difference between doing two days with five by four minutes compared to one day with ten by four minutes? Uh, for me, that you can recover after better. For me, I think. Is there actually yeah. anything you have incorporated from those days, uh, from that time, into your training now? I mean, of course, the intervals are, are not possibly as important uh, as they were back in uh, back in uh, those days. 
Yeah, I think uh, now when I train 10 to 15 hours, you can also train more hard. And if you train 25, 30 hours. So for me, it's also that I have been uh, now, uh, yeah, uh, for sure, three, uh, three uh, training lessons who is uh, on a high level for me now in this period. So basically, you have quality over quantity. Yeah. There was someone who did a study on you recently, and they found out that it's about it's about the consistency, yeah. uh, like you've done for so many years. Yeah. It's like uh, fifteen hours training for yeah no yeah for twenty years or yeah twenty five years yeah. And mm -hmm. with that being said, now you have had a break with two years. Is that means that your your key to success is kind of that chain is that the link is broken or? Uh, no, I can't say that. Uh, uh, no, for me, uh, it's the motivation what I can do with the training I do now. Is it possible to be fighting for? Yeah, for yeah, top three in Vasloppe or not? That's more interesting for me now, actually. And also, kind of going back to your your past. I mean, you have so many uh, great performances, and so the the, the merits are uh, beyond anyone else's. Uh, but personally, what are those kind of the moments that you remember most uh, fondly of? You know, when you kind of go back. Maybe the first big victory or specific race that uh, perhaps meant a bit more than. Oh, it's hard to pick one. Actually, uh, it's I for sure remember my first victory in sprint and for a longer distance and sure in Oberstorf in two thousand and five. Yeah. In in what sprint in the World Cup or? In the World Cup, yeah. Special for me was uh, in Düsseldorf in 2002. And uh, my longer distance was in Yellowwater in 2004. So it's some races you remember more than others. Yeah. And for sure the Oberstorf, uh, the World Championship and uh, the Vancouver Olympic there. So, yeah. Yeah, did you ever feel pressure, you know, because you, you were so good and it's kind of the same with that Teresa Juhag right now, right now, that constantly winning or did you kind of just push that aside and you didn't think about it, but the outside pressure that comes from people just watching, you know? Yeah, I think you learn to live with that and uh, you also have a pressure on yourself and for like Teresa now, you came to Oberstorf and you know that you have done a very good job and the shape is there. And uh, you, of course, you can be nervous because you know that I'm I can take the gold medal. But uh, of course, I need to have good skis and everything. And uh, that gives you also nervous because you know you you are so good that you could be fighting for it. So, but you, I think you, you learn to live with the pressure outside and uh, uh, maybe the biggest pressure is in your you. Put on your yourself, actually. So, yeah. Um. You you have um, uh, on uh, Instagram. You have uh, one 
127,000 followers and you have 69 posts, which is kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your number of posts doesn't relate to your number of followers. I mean, you are a very, very popular uh person of course and but you're not so active on social media why do you think you're not so active there as others um not that interesting in that and uh, also that because in my career i've been yeah been writing a lot of lots of things on from me in the media and i feel that uh, yeah um and that i'm not uh, growing up with uh, like uh, instagram and twitter and everything and yeah i feel that i'm not that interesting to yeah to using it actually yeah which this is kind of a good segue to uh, to talk about the fame because i i assume that in your country you're like you and, and, and all the cross-country skiers that, that, that do well are like the biggest national heroes. But that fame, you know, and, and, and all that kind of publicity and exposure that you constantly get, how were you able to deal with that? Oh, just it's uh, people are happy to see you, are happy for the result you do. So uh, every people I met on when I'm training or... Um, or I am outside and shopping. You, every people is uh, positive and give you a good feedback. So for me, it's not that. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice that to see that uh, the Norwegian people. Uh, yeah, uh, that I can uh, inspire them and they are watching us and following us and yeah, they say that it's. It's fun to be watching TV and following us. So, yeah, it's. I think it's. It's okay. Not a problem. So it doesn't. It doesn't bother you to be kind of a rock star in a sense. Uh, no, but uh, you. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you see? Um, for me, it's something I'm getting shy to get all the. What do you call it uh, in English? Yeah, like uh, people is watching you. So, but you learn to live with it so yeah and some years you are forgotten so <laughs> has it has it actually toned down a bit because you uh, when you retired uh yeah maybe a little bit but uh, uh when i met people they are saying that i missing me in the, in the in the track and in the racing so that's nice to hear also so yeah but uh, the younger generation is growing up. They have some new. Yeah, they are watching Krabu and Teresa. Yeah, so. What will you do when you finish Vasaloppet? What will happen the weeks after? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I have to stay at home because uh, in Norway we have to have 10 days in quarantine. So it will be a. Uh, yeah. Uh, not much happening, <laughs> was it? No other races or anything uh, in, in mind? Uh. I had the uh, Bitkebenen in my uh, I really wanted to race that, but uh, no, they will not. Uh, Bitkebenen is out, so yeah, because of COVID 19. 
But what if your advanced little bit goes so well, then we have the order for this little bit, which is 100K. Suit yeah. you well. <laughs> Maybe you should go then. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, not easy in this time either. Um, with the COVID-19, I have also family to take care of it also. Speaking of family, I think that's kind of the, the last part of our, our uh, podcast. To become a mother and uh, the family, mm. uh, uh, that must have been, um, we talked about your all your other, you know, uh, great uh, performances and, and achievements, but that is an achievement beyond anything else, is to become a parent. Yeah, uh, it's the biggest. So that's my two biggest goals, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But how uh, how are you guys as a family? What guys, kind of things do you do together? And how would you describe uh, you as a mother and, and your family? Uh, yeah, we are uh, active family. We like to be spending outside. And uh, my sons are one and five years old. And they are like to skiing also. But... Uh, I think it's more important to do things that they boys are motivation for. And uh, yeah, we are lots of outside in the, the weekend and yeah, uh, are active. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you think they will become skiers as well? Or are you pushing uh, that? Or are you, of course, you're supporting, but do you yeah, want I'm them supporting, to be? I'm supporting, but uh, I'm not pushing them. I think it's uh, important that they... I, they can choose uh, by uh, by themselves, and yeah, they are very young. So, <laughs> how, how will you react if they're gonna play computer and and drink Jolt Cola yeah. Cola every day? <laughs> it, how, how do you think you will handle that? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I uh, yeah, if they want to do it, I have to do it. So <laughs> then I have to work with myself. <laughs> What else do you have uh, in terms of your goals? Uh, we talked about your skiing goals and the Barcelona and so forth. But in life, I mean, now you, as you said, you kind of coming back, but you have family. You achieve pretty much everything you can in in skiing. But what else do you see in the pipeline for you? Uh, just uh, yeah, I still uh, wonder what I want to do. Actually, uh, I am uh, forty years soon, forty one, and. Uh, I still have, um, yeah, I should work uh, maybe uh, for 30 years uh, more. So uh, I wonder and thinking about what I'm going to do with my uh, my life. Actually. Is, there anything, is yeah. there anything that interests you besides uh, skiing? Do you want to stay in the sports world or maybe com- take a completely different path? I'm not sure yet, actually. I think uh, we had uh, two boys who is very young, and I think when they are growing also, I will be more active also for in the sport, I think. I want to follow them. Um, I've been asking if I want to be a trainer, but I think it, you have to be motivated for that and also for traveling again. And I think I'm not yet there. But uh, maybe what's happening in five, ten years, I don't know, actually. So uh, I still wonder if I want to do, yeah. Is it uh, sometimes you hear about uh, other athletes that's been won so many gold medals and they, when they retire, they have a hard time to find meaningful things to do? Uh, like, is it, uh, how can you relate to that? Um, it hasn't been a problem for me because uh, I have yeah, had the family and I have the children. 
to take care and yeah it gives me meaning in the life for sure and i have uh, something work um, i have my sponsor contact with my sponsor from my career and yeah i have something to do and also i also like to have the uh, to yeah like to to do the vaseloppe and train for that and yeah actually had the uh, to do something I also like and don't just work every day, seven hours every day, actually. And you've been an inspiration to so many and an idol, but who were your idols when growing up? And not necessarily in the, in the sports world, but generally speaking. Yeah, uh, for me it was um, uh, uh, like Ben Tiscari and uh, Thomas Alskor and Bjorn Dari was... Uh, big idol for me um but i was when i was young uh, like a junior i was i'm not I was thinking that i really want to be an olympic uh, champion or a world champion um i just have fun with the sport and yeah m- mastering yeah to do skiing and playing handball and football and yeah i like to to do the sport then so Marit, a couple more things before we wrap up um so if you now, based on all we've talked about, kind of three things that you wish for the future, for you, to take place. Uh, that I have, um, uh, that I can still uh, stay healthy and have the, the family around me and uh, also find uh, things uh, in the life who really motivate me in, uh, yeah, uh, some something I can work with to give me, yeah, the motivation I also had when I was skiing that, yeah. And then, yeah. what could be the three takeaways that you have from your career? The kind, of, like the, the three greatest things that you uh, personally got from from your long career. Uh, yeah, um, for from the career that. Um, uh, I take me with that I am, um, yeah, I can really work hard when I need to and uh, have the have something goal I really wanted. I am, um, yeah, hard to to do the job and um, uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, it's a hard question. <laughs> uh, it's hard to find the word in English, but. Uh, uh, yeah, the great time I have with uh, my friends uh, and uh, from the skiing. Uh, it's lots of friends uh, I have from, yeah. Are there like any regrets or things like, oh, I wish I could have done this differently or when you kind of go back that, ah, uh, that should have gone differently? Uh, no, I can't say that actually. Uh, maybe I'd uh, do something the year uh, between 2005 and 2009 i could do did things different there but uh i think also i haven't been out this year it's uh, i've been learning a lot of this years also so and i think that's make my career better also and that i could ski also all the way to i was 38 years so yeah 
And of course, one obvious question that we always have for you, you guys uh, in Norway, is that why is your country? Why are you so good? Uh, be it long distance skiing, uh, standard distances. What is it about your culture, about Norwegians, you that you always succeed in cross country skiing? I think the culture is that uh, you can ski from you are a little girl or boy. Like uh, see my uh, boys on one year, they are skiing in in the kindergarten every day. And I think that's make, yeah, Norway to, they have uh, lots of skiers to take uh, take off. I think, and you can see on also in, in the evening, on Wednesday evening, it's uh, in Holmecon, you can see yeah, 500 child uh, from different clubs who is training here. So I think uh, uh, cross country is uh, very popular. And when you have like uh, Peter Nortug, Marie Bergen, Teresa Juweg, uh, Johannes Krabbo, it's also a, a big motivation for many young uh, girls and boys, I think. So what else do you do besides a family? And do you have any other hobbies? Do you listen to music? Do you cook? Do you do something just to kill time? Uh, no, I don't have the problem to kill, kill some time, actually, when you have one... Uh, Two boys on uh, one year and five years, so <laughs> so for me, uh, yeah, I like to follow sports and the time I have uh, with myself, I try to train and yeah, like that. Do you read anything or do you watch the TV, listen uh, to music? I can watch TV and something, but uh, after I get uh, mom, it's, uh, yeah. I don't have the time to it and uh, I use like yeah I say I use the time I have to train and have some time with myself with some friends or something uh, yeah and with the family yeah is there anything about you that uh, we don't know is there anything um, interesting that you'd like to tell about tell us about you uh, I don't think so uh, yeah I've been uh, <laughs> Uh, telling about myself for uh, 20 years now, so I don't think I have any secrets actually. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no secrets. <laughs> Indeed, no secrets. And then, uh, the finally, Vasa Lopet is next uh, on, on Sunday, and we talked about a little bit about the, the future, but uh, let's assume that it goes well. Uh, yeah. So, after that, realistically, do you still want to do another year? I'm not sure. I have to do uh, the Vasloppe to and used maybe use the spring to know how motivation uh, and how do the Vasloppe give me something that I have I missed to race or yeah uh, or I want to do it next year and maybe also can have to do the Marshalonga and some other races also. So it's hard to say now, but um, we'll see after Vasloppe. Obviously, it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. And then, as a, as a last uh, question, what is your advice to the young people out there uh, looking up on you, uh, that, that put you on a pedestal, for them to be inspired? What is your, Marie Björgen's advice or encouragement? I think if you want to be good in something, you have to have the, uh, the motivation from inside. Uh, because if you want to be a very good uh, cross country, you have to. It's it's lots of hard work, and then you have to have the motivation out in, from inside to do that. 
I think and happiness to do the sport and happiness to do the thing you who is motivate you I think um, so yeah that is a good advice you it always has to mm-hmm. come from, from the heart yeah <laughs> thank you very much uh, Marit uh, Björgen and good luck I think you'll do really well uh, at Vasa Lopet it'll be an exciting race a long one yeah. 90 kilometers yeah. <laughs> and and uh, but don't sweat it you'll You'll do well. Yeah, I will you. try my best. Let me see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Eric, uh, uh, for, for being a part of this as well. And you people out there uh, listening to us, uh, stay tuned for Barcelona this Sunday. Uh, you will be able to watch our uh, live show, of course, the live broadcast and the podcast afterwards uh, when we recap the race. So stick around, stay tuned and get ready for Barcelona. Bye bye. This podcast episode is presented by Ski and Bike Nordic, skibike.se. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.